and it'd get better than what was witnessed in Cincinnati. That's that's probably the big question as it relates to this offense. And from my own perspective, oh yeah, absolutely. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. When I was asking players immediately after the game, Sunday in Cincinnati, what went right for the offense, it never took anyone more than a few words before they spat out something having to do with communication. Everything was about how Players were talking to each other. Coaches were talking to each other. Players were dealing with coaches. Coaches were dealing with players. And everyone was letting each other know what was right, what was wrong, how to adjust, how to correct. Why didn't that occur before? Well, if you want the answer to that, as opposed to just my piling on to Matt Canada, which is probably going to be going on for a while, guys. I'm not going to lie here. It's not anything personal or whatever. It's just that's how deep a hole he dug. You'll recall an episode of this very program a month ago in which I relayed to you a story about Canada and how he would basically shutter himself at the facility. Now, some might interpret that as just, hey, the guy needs to get his work done. Don't bother him. And maybe that's fair. Maybe that's the proper way to present that information. However, I've also heard plenty to the contrary, meaning that the communication that came from the coordinator down to his positional coaches and from there trickling down further to the players was negligible at best. So it shouldn't surprise anybody that over the past two, three days, maybe even going back to Canada's actual firing last week, you're going to have more and more voices speak up about that. And that's happened, kind of. Again, they're not fixating on Canada in that room. They're doing their very best, as they demonstrated wonderfully in Cincinnati, to move past him. But moving past him entails First and foremost, communicating. I reported that there was a meeting last week in which the entire offense got together in the same room. First time. First time all season that it was just the offense. Eddie Faulkner, Mike Sullivan, their positional coaches, principally about intangibles because you're not going to get anything done tactically in an environment like that. It always has to be in smaller groups, but you got to bring it all together. You got to say, if you're the running backs, hey, these are the, the kinds of holes we like, or, or better yet, as Najee Harris was laying out a little while ago, these are the holes that you guys feel you're most comfortable opening up for us, meaning, of course, the offensive line. From there, Pat Meyer works with Faulkner, meaning Faulkner in his role as running backs coach and or coordinator or whatever. But you talk. You talk. You study together. You work together. You communicate. 
listen to Kenny Pickett yesterday when he was asked if this offense has another level. I think the flow was good. I thought the setup we had throughout the week was good and the game day um, operations with me and Coach Sully and talking on the sideline amongst the other coaches was smooth. Um, obviously, it can get better. Something we're going to continue to try and iron out, but I thought for our first time out, it was good. I'll say it again. This isn't rewriting history. This isn't going back to the game in Cleveland and saying that Kenny and or Deontay Johnson have no culpability in the fact that they couldn't connect on a routine out route in crunch time. Okay, everyone's at fault for that. But ultimately, the person, the one individual in this entire scenario who can do something about it emphatically, authoritatively, is the coordinator. And that didn't happen. And when Mike Tomlin was asked why he fired Canada, and he did fire Canada, the closest he came to giving any kind of elaboration came on the Steelers' website over the weekend. wasn't necessarily the kind of thing that would catch a whole lot of attention. He does a weekend interview before the game with Bob Labriola, their longtime in-house team reporter, and it tends to have different offerings than what Tomlin's going to give to people like me and others in the media in a more formal press conference setting. And what Tomlin brought up, what he focused on himself was his disappointment that it was the third week of November and there very clearly was a lack of this communication, a lack of this discipline, a lack of detail. He's not going to let those other guys off the hook either. He's not letting Kenny off the hook. He's not letting Deontay off the hook for that sort of thing. But it has to have a buck stopping somewhere. Now, yeah, in parentheses, of course, the buck stops with the head coach. When it comes to football matters, he should have acted on Canada a long time ago. Okay, been there, done that. But when you look at what happened that really made the biggest difference, I believe, in Cincinnati and what will continue to make the biggest difference Sunday against the Cardinals, the following Thursday against the Patriots, and right on down the line, is that this team is now positioned to improve because it's not being locked into little compartments, either unwilling or unable to communicate with each other, or by far worst of all, to communicate with the person who's basically, what Canada was doing is putting together a plan, printing it out, and then just sliding it under everybody's doors. That's that's not something that works in any business, anywhere. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Paul, who asks, How about the success of this most recent draft, DK? Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, Nick Herbig, Darnell Washington are all having impacts as rookies. It's not the 1974 draft. 
the best in NFL history, but it's pretty good so far. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be invoking 1974 in any conversation about any draft by any team at any time in history. When you draft four Hall of Famers, okay, the conversation ends with you. That's it. That'll never be topped, not in our lifetimes. But to answer your question, my own feeling about this current draft class, the first thing I think about is how I want to be careful. I don't want to take it too far because I had a similar thought a few years ago when the Steelers immediately started Artie Burns, Sean Davis, and Javon Hargrave. That was in 2016, of course, and those guys, all three of them, were out there regularly and or starting that same season. And everyone was like, wow, what a class. What what an awesome thing to be able to get this kind of contribution from your entire class right away. Well, turns out Artie was nothing special. Davis, who I really thought had some kind of potential. I never really felt that way about Burns, Davis flamed out so quickly. Hargrave became everything that he's become. To his credit, made himself a ton of money. Outstanding defensive lineman. But nobody to this day is talking about that class overall. So there's caution to be had. On the, on the other hand, when you bring this up, the other thing that I think about is I don't feel like any of these current rookies have come close to what they can be. You know, go right through all of their names. Do you feel like you've seen the very best of Broderick Jones? Heck no. Joey Porter Jr.? No. Keanu Benton feels like he's just getting his feet warm out there. Darnell Washington, same thing. Nick Herbig doesn't even really get to step onto the field unless it's special teams. Not with the heavy usage that we've seen from T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith over the past three weeks. It is a really good group. It's a group with a lot of promise, a group with a lot of potential. But I don't think any of them are anywhere near it yet. So that's exciting. But it's got to be exciting within reason. How do any of them overcome adversity? How do any of them overcome their first significant injuries in the NFL? None of them's really had one. How does, if we're just picking on, you know, the top two guys, how does Jones adjust to the first truly bad game that he has at right tackle or if he ends up getting moved to the left side? He's going to get scorched one of these days. The same goes for Porter. Either he's going to have a bunch of flags thrown on him because there's an opposing receiver or the opponent in general is going to make a big fuss, and I believe that they already are to the officials, even before kickoff. Watch that kid. Keep an eye on 2-4. All he does is grab, grab, grab. And there he was right off the bat the other day in Cincinnati getting a flag thrown for a DPI. doesn't matter if he deserved it or not. doesn't matter if it was a good call or not. What matters is the reputation precedes you. There are challenges that they're going to face. Artie obviously didn't handle any of his particularly well. Davis, he started getting banged up. And then he didn't handle that part of the NFL challenge well. Hargrave rose above. But the idea that that was some outstanding class because everyone was contributing right away went poof. Just, just 
trying to lay the whole scenario out for you here. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.